Do y'all have any people in your life that it is impossible to buy the appropriate Christmas present for? I have a girlfriend who told me that she's just told her husband, don't worry about it because if there's something I want, I'm just gonna go ahead and buy it. But let's be honest, all of us, all of us, we have enough stuff. We probably have too much stuff if we are to be honest about that. But did you know that the idea of Christmas being about gift giving is actually relatively recent in terms of history? It's just about 300 years old. And when people gave gifts over 300 years ago, it was homemade stuff. You know, you passed it between neighbors and something has happened in our culture where it has just become the focus of our our Christmas season. And if you look in ancient art, you can see that it was not always like this. So here is a a triptych from a Russian Orthodox church, and this is our beloved Saint Nicholas. And and notice just the simplicity, but yet ornateness, lots of crosses and stars, and, and the emphasis is very much on kind of the sacredness and the holy, and this is from 1294. 1294. You see, for most of history, since the birth of Christ, it wasn't necessarily about gift gift giving. And then fast forward to the year 1868, and y'all have all seen this very famous Santa Claus. And you know what I see as the major difference between the two, other than like a round belly, cheerful cheeks and a big white beard and a red suit, is that his arms, instead of being holding a Bible, his arms are filled with presents. This is kind of the reality of, of what has happened in our culture. And, and what we forget though, is that like that first Christmas, it was about so much more than giving gifts. Now we have heard that there were three wise men that came and brought gifts to Jesus. And I even have used that to justify the reason that we should give gifts to one another. So what the truth is, is that we, we don't know that there were three. We know that there were magi, there were wise men that went and, and they were told to go for a specific reason. They were told to go kneel and before the the crib, the manger holding this Christ child and to make sure they brought every single thing on his Christmas wish list. Nope, that's actually not what it says at all. Um, It says that you are to go there. You are to go there and you are to do one thing. You are to worship him. The, the, The frankincense, the gold and the myrrh were side notes. That first Christmas time with, the, with those wise men that are there, it was a worship service. They were just there to bless the baby, to bring adoration to what God had done. So this is, if you're like me and you have been racking your brain, once again, another year where I have to come up with presents for everyone, then this is our story. This is the story for us, this Advent. Because in our text today, God once again brings this this amazingly good news in an unexpected place. It's obvious, right? It's there's an old woman 
She's getting on in years. We've heard about her. This is Elizabeth. And yet, for some reason, this old woman conceives. And in, 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 this is the amazing good news that we expect and we hear about every year on the second Sunday of Advent. But this is more than just that she conceived. There's more good news than that. Because there's this haunting text that Kevin just read. It's, it's to me, one of the most heart-wrenching texts in all of Scripture. She says, this is what the Lord has done for me in this time. He looked favorably on me, and he took away my disgrace. It's the only time someone feels shame in the Gospels. Took away my disgrace. In that moment, shouldn't Elizabeth have run over to her girlfriends. I'm pregnant! Let's throw a shower! Let's start planning! What names are you going to do? But she didn't, she was, she was still coming off of years of shame and not wanting to risk any comments or criticisms. The scripture just says that she goes into seclusion. There was no squealing with relatives. There was no baby shower. There was no other women to share their birth stories, even though they didn't, she didn't ask to hear them. She removes herself from everyone. And from what we know, no one came by. No one came and checked on Elizabeth. That sounds so incredibly lonely to me. When Vivek Morthy first became the Surgeon General of the United States in 2013, he came into the position knowing what were the major health risks for Americans. Obesity, diabetes, hypertension, smoking, sedentary lifestyle. He knew this, but he felt like he just wanted to know more. And remember, this is before the pandemic. And so he went all across the country and he just interviewed dozens and dozens of people. And he tells this story in this podcast that I just listened to. And he tells this story where he goes and he meets this couple. And they are from a small Midwestern town. And they're sharing with him their experience in the past, recent, in the recent past. And they say, you know, we've been part of this precious community. You know the type where if you lose a job, someone shows up with soup. If you have a, a bad experience, you know, someone, someone shows up with ca a casserole. Like, we knew how to love on each other and how to bless one another. But then their son, young adult son, unexpectedly died of an opioid overdose. overdose. And no one came by. No one came by. Years later, they asked the neighbors, why didn't you come? When we needed community, you didn't come, and they all said the same thing. We were so worried that it would add to your shame. It would add to your embarrassment for losing a child in such a way. A time when the community needed to be blessing them the most, it was not there. And I have to think, I wonder how much Elizabeth hoped someone from the town would show up at her door. Do you think she peeked? Did she peek out when people went by? Do you think she hoped and longed that a neighbor or someone would come by with some soup? Didn't anyone notice that she had been gone? 
for five months from her community. And so she waits 22 weeks, and the only thing that she has is this husband who can't speak to her. I had always seen the obvious good news in this passage. The obvious good news (laughs) is that it's… I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) I have always… I thought the obvious good news was that she's this old woman, and she gets pregnant. And I just I picture her just like every day, just so excited and no one to share it with. But then, five months into her pregnancy, she gets a knock on the door. And there is her cousin, Mary. This is incredible good news for a person who has been in seclusion. I imagine that she just opened her arms up so wide and just could not get a big enough hug, and tears had to have been streaming down her smiling face. But the good news doesn't stop with Mary's visit. It doesn't stop with the fact that she conceived. It doesn't stop with the fact that her shame was taken away. What blows me away is at this moment that should have been about Elizabeth, where she should have come out of the house and patted her belly and said, look, look what the Lord has done for me in this moment, Elizabeth chooses to do something totally surprising. She says, look, you, Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth, in her moment that could have been all of her glory, she looks at her cousin and she blesses her and she names, look at what God has done in your life. Look at how how faithful you were that you believed when you were told this. Oh, Mary, you are pregnant. How amazing. May the Lord bless you, bless you, she says over and over. And this is what our world needs, this Advent, friends. As believers in Jesus, we know that this time of year is not just about presence or St. Nicholas. We know we celebrate the coming blessing of the Christ child, and we wait for it eagerly. We like light a candle and then light another candle. It's like we, we do this on purpose to build the anticipation of the coming Christ child. But what if this year all of us focus less, less on the giving of tangible gifts and we focused on blessing others. What if we, we showed up to the Elizabeths in our neighborhoods? We are called to be those who birth blessing for others. We can point out the ways that God is at work in other people's lives, especially when they might not be able to see it. Someone in your neighborhood is just longing for someone to check, for someone to check on them. And get this, the pressure's off because you don't have to be the blessing. You don't have to come up with the perfect blessing. You don't have to shop for the perfect blessing. We don't have to show up with gifts or cookies or soup or anything. All we have to do is show up and say, bless you. Do you know what God has done in your life? Do you know what I see in you? I want to affirm this. I want to encourage this. And we can look for it and then we can name it for them. And so church, hear this blessing from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace this Advent. May it be so in my life and in yours.